Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Political This Radio. And we're going to try this one more time, only because we had to re-record this all over again. Once again, thank you, Peacock. Your app is so slow. Like, this is honestly, sometimes I'm listening to the Peacock app, and I feel like I'm back in, like, 2002, waiting for my freaking whatever I'm watching to freaking upload. But whatever the case is... Turn to your peacocks, grab your smokables, your edibles, your drinkables, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nerd Square Circle version, or portion, rather, of Political This Radio, and we're about to watch the one and the only, the classic, Starcade 83. And I got six minutes into it, and I had to press re-record because it just started lagging and pausing because, like I said, that's the app, whether it's on the phone, the computer... Uh, excuse me, and PS4, so with no further ado, I'm going to do the countdown, 3, 2, 1, and then play, and then we're going to start watching it, this is our watch-along, ladies and gentlemen, my very first watch-along, and right off the bat, before we press play, I just want to point out the production value in 1980, uh, November 1983, November 24th, so it's probably on Thanksgiving itself, I'm guesstimating, so November of 1983, which I personally was only a month old, <laughs> but anyway, um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, the production value between Starcade '83 or Starcade One, if you want to call it, and WrestleMania One, which is just named WrestleMania, it was not named WrestleMania One when it first came out, but anyway, it's just remarkable. I honestly have to say right off the bat that NWA. A year and a half prior has the production value on lock. There were a few hiccups, but hey, it's 1983. What do you expect? And ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. Three, two, one, and play. And here we go, right into it. The Mass Assassins. And look at that suit right off the bat. Does that suit look familiar? The black bow tie, and look at that. Look at that title. Oh, wow. That is, is that the television championship? Because I'm looking at the side plates. I'm a, fa- I'm a huge fan of championships. And I'm looking at the side plates, and it does look like it's TV companies, the emblems like they do on a television championship. <laughs> or that could just be the... Um, the Carolina championship itself because it does have I think South Carolina or North Carolina excuse me and McGraw's in the ring right now with uh, assassin number one if I'm not mistaken but for those who don't know ladies and gentlemen this is where they talk over their match and this is the opening match, and you can clearly tell right from the beginning this match is specifically to get the crowd, uh, the crowd in the building itself while riled up. This is to get them, you know, their emotion messing with their emotions. This is for everybody that's at home to get settled in, get their drink going, get their popcorn eaten, their ice cream going, and that. Look at that view! Oh my goodness, the Coliseum! You see how smoke filled it is. 
that's when smoking was allowed. In 1983, smoking, especially down south, well, I don't want to say especially down south, because we did it up here, too, in New York, let's be honest. But in 1983, it was allowed, smoking. So it's a little bit smoke-filled, which is crazy to actually see that nowadays for everybody that's listening that wasn't around back then. And see all the smoke-filled Coliseum. Now, if you look right there at everybody in the background, see those guys right there that look like the tramps from uh, JFK's freaking from Daily Plaza? (laughs) Now, those three guys, that's actually how people, if you look at the folks, that's actually how everybody dressed in the early to mid-1980s when you went to see a wrestling show. You didn't go, oh my goodness, look at that Jim Cornette outfit. I I honestly think Paul Jones and Jim Cornette, I got to see who had the outfit first, but it's got the bow tie and everything. Anyway, back to what I was saying now, if you look at the background, that's actually how people dressed and went to a wrestling show in the mid to late, uh, excuse me, early to mid late late teen, the late 1980s. Early to mid-1980s, that's how people actually dress. When you went to a professional wrestling show, they dress with some type of respect. To them, it's like you were going out to dinner in a movie, or you're going to the opera, or something like that. So, let's get back to the acts. Oh, one, once again, I don't know if I just said this, or if I said it before when we were recording, I know that. The Greensboro Coliseum, right? Okay. This is actually, if I'm not mistaken, 15,449 people. That's supposedly um, the attendance. But it's professional wrestling, so you never know. WWE WrestleMania won a year and a half later at Madison Square Garden. Was only able to draw about 19,000, a little bit over 19,000 or something like that. So that's only a 4,000 person difference. And once again... We are lagging again, and we're back to the action. The Rufus R. Jones tags in, and the man is just, the fans are going nuts. They like them some Rufus R. Jones, and the hands are clapping in the background. Now, remember, folks, this is in the early to mid-1983, November 1983. Fans did not jump out of their seat and go ballistic, unless it was the main event, maybe. And that was it. Other than that, they yelled from their seats. They they clapped their hands and they threw stuff. They they threw stuff. Take it back to WrestleMania three with Andre the Giant. That was not set up. That was not rigged. That was there were no plants in the audience. People legit threw stuff. That Rufus R. Jones right now with a headbutt. To that meat hook. That's a freaking arm right there. The Bugsy McGraws right back in. And they walked right to his corner. Tagged in. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Smart thinking. I believe that's assassin number one, right? The big uh, heavier set one. I can see the bass. The bass actually look really similar to the killer. Excuse me, to the killer bees. Back when the killer bees wore masks. Remember the killer bees at one time they were wearing masks and then they weren't wearing masks. So those masks actually do look really similar to the killer bees. It's amazing that when you actually look at the wrestling tights, 
there is no designs on them whatsoever. Nobody ever really had designs on their tights, except, like, if you were a ravishing recruit. Or if you were, you know, a superstar Billy Graham. Other than that, you did not, like, even Roddy Piper in WWE, or World Wrestling Federation at the time, kept it simple. It was the blue tights, the blue knee pants. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, blue tights, blue knee pants. And it was funny when you'd see him in the ring at the same time because they would both be wearing the same exact thing, even Bob Backlund. Can you picture a Royal Rumble match with Backlund, um, Duggan, and Piper in the ring at the same time? It's all blue knee pads, black boots, and blue tights. <laughs> and the same, not one writing on any of them. And it got Rufus, uh, I'm guessing his character, well, part of his characteristic is you, you can't punch him in the head because he's got a hard head. That's the freight chain, Rufus R. Jones right there. And where did Dusty Rhodes come up with that, huh? See that suck of the driving right there? You think that Dusty Rhodes created that? A lot of people, a lot of people have actually called Dusty Rhodes out on that, arrest his soul. Well, that ring is definitely, it's a smaller ring than usual. You can definitely tell. <clears throat> I definitely don't like that camera angle. The sky angle, if you watch the sky angle, it looks, the, the, the ring needs to be lifted more. That's what it is. There should be no reason why the, Actually, no, the rings, if you look at Paul Jones, I'm not sure how tall Paul Jones is, but I would say he's a decent size. Yeah, if you look at the ring, I I don't know if the ring is actually smaller than it's supposed to be, but yeah, the sky view is not a good view. Like, that's a great view. I guess you can call that the, uh, back then, I guess that was the hard cam. Obviously, it's moving, so it's the main camera, I guess you would call it back in the day. And then the tag is the hot tag, and listen to the crowd go nuts. And he's slapping his head. Who the hell used to slap their head like that? It just recently, I think. Um, hold on. Who the hell used to do that? Uh, quite a few wrestlers used to do that, to slap their face or their head. Oh, the atomic drop. I don't think I see the atomic drop anymore. And if if you do see it, it's not really that atomic. Oh, and the roll up from behind and the three count. And the three count. Just to piss the audience off. Well, that booing, you could tell that booing itself was definitely piped in. They, they threw it in because you could always tell by the audience reaction. And by the way, it just comes up out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It just goes away out of nowhere. Now, if you listen to the background right here, you could definitely tell they're doing this while there's a match going on in the background. You could definitely tell because you can hear the audience going nuts and you can hear the slamming of the ring the whole nine.
And the late great Gordon Soli right there. Look at that blazer he's wearing. Oh my goodness, that blazer looks unbelievable. That tie is phenomenal. Harley Race. Oh, and by the way, here's Tony Sabati. Look how young he looks. Oh my goodness. And look at the Boogie Woogie Man. And there's, woof, Ric Flair in the background talking to Roddy Piper. I didn't know they had couches and chairs in the dressing room back then. Now they would not have it. It's so unsanitary. And look at Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Both of them men. Oh, and there's, um, what's his name? Jay Youngblood. I believe that's who that was. But I highly doubt that they actually had couches and chairs like that and a table set up <laughs> in locker rooms. The, especially like with athletes in the 1980s. Do you know how many bow sacks would be on that freaking locker, uh, on that table or that chair? It would not happen like that. So that's definitely set up. Tony Savani looks so young. Right, that's... Hey, he went from NWA to WWF to WCW. Now he's in AEW. He's also in TNA. <clears throat> the man needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. He needs a Lifetime Achievement Award. And Johnny Weaver looks like... And there's Scott McGee, who was actually trained by Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Ric Flair, and a few other people. And there's the late Gary Hart, rest his soul, and standing right behind him, Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster himself. Now, I'm confused, if you guys are listening, why Kevin Sullivan never made his way to the World Wrestling Federation, whether it was in the 80s or even the 90s, or, or even as a manager in the 2000s. Kevin Sullivan should have definitely been in the World Wrestling Federation. That I am definitely confused about. Now another tag team match. And I could have just won we had a tag team match. Kevin Sullivan's in the ring first. And you're not going to out-wrestle Kevin Sullivan. The man's a worker. That's a grappler right there. Would you think you'd call him a hooker or a stretcher? A drop kick again? Oh, man. And look at this freaking mountain right here. Believe it or not, um, what the hell is his name? I apologize, folks. I'll get his name in a second. 
and, and uh, Lewin, I forgot his first name, but Lewin is his name, he's still alive, 86 years old, he was born in the 1930s. And Kevin Sullivan, once again, there's a man that needed to be... And Johnny Weaver, not to uh, segue or just cut myself off, but Johnny Weaver, he looks like a mix of... uh, I want to say... I was thinking Pat O'Connor, maybe? He just has that resemblance between that... Speaking of which, to segue again, Lewin actually, he actually looks like what today would be um, Tim Storm from NWA. Now he's in SWE, which is, I believe he's in SWE, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, McGee looks like, um, I want to say Pat O'Connor in the face itself, a mix of Pat O'Connor and like Brutal San Martino. And once again, look at the tights, folks. Plain black tights, plain black. This guy, uh, McGee, actually has the body type of a young uh, David San Martino, actually. And of course, Kevin Sullivan has the purple tights, and he does have an emblem. He does have a design on the side. Look at them blue pants right now for the from that referee, folks. Wow, is he wearing wrestling boots? He's wearing wrestling boots. Look at that. That referee's a, wow. He's got he's styling right now. If you look at that referee, he's got the wrestling boots on underneath his uh, blue jeans. I don't even know if you call them blue jeans, but they're blue in their jeans, so they're blue jeans. Maybe they're corduroys. By the way, corduroys need to make a a, a, a comeback. I have a pair of corduroys. I still rock them to this day. This man is a machine. Lewin is a machine. Look at this man. Mark Lewin. That's what his first name is. Scott McGee, I don't think that's any relation to actually... uh, What's his name? The other McGee. The one that wrestled Bret Hart and had the freaking four turnbuckle match. That's my rating for wrestling matches. Four turnbuckles. I don't think anybody... Four four current corner posts. Because technically it's four corners but three turnbuckles. So there'd be 12 turnbuckles. <laughs> and there's the blind tag. And you see how they have what a tag team this is right here. You see how they have the constant tags and they're keeping them in the corner in their corner. But the only problem is they're not keeping his back turned towards their corner, so they can pull him in at any time. They're not cutting him off. And you hear that bell in the background, folks. That's actually, I believe, the five-minute mark, if I'm not mistaken. They have that bell in the background back in the day. That actually helps the wrestlers out themselves, too, to tell, okay, this is how much time you have left. Uh, 
And Lewin is just a machine, man. I think I that I have to do my history on Lewin, and I apologize for all that are listening and like you don't know about this guy. I apologize, but I have to do my research. But this man. He's a decade or two too late. Maybe a decade and a half too late. That man could have been freaking... Oh, here we go. And Johnny Weaver, I believe, is from England, if I'm not mistaken. You could tell by the ears. That was an easy pinfall breakup for him. And another Bulldog, which at one time in the World Wrestling Federation was actually one of Rowdy Piper's. If it wasn't his finishing maneuver, it was a signature maneuver. Because he did have the um, the sleeper hold, but he did have he did use the freaking the Bulldog to his advantage. He won the Intercontinental title with the sleeper hold, actually. From the Mountie. And then lost to the Bret Hart. Technically, even though the referee counted three, and see what I mean, that face itself looks like a mix of Pat O'Connor and, and Bruno San Martino. Oh my goodness! Look, they would have snapped his freaking arm right out of his socket right there. Yeah, just pull it, pull it. Yeah, bam. See that? And that's November '83. Three, and that's done. And that's the finish. See how simple that finish was? And then drop kick to Gary Hart. And look, look. Took the foreign object out of his boot. Now watch this, folks. Look, Kevin Sullivan, you can see he does just as bad as a blade job as Captain Lou Albano does. Clear as day clear as day so you know what's coming next there we go and bam and Angelo Mosco who was supposed to be a referee later on in the night now he's busting him open the great Angelo Mosca and they jacked him up. and this is only I believe the second match if I'm not mistaken right oh oh And I guarantee you, folks, it's either there's a razor on the end of that, or it's just a rolled-up duct tape with, like, toilet paper or towel, paper towel or something in it. But yeah, um, Kevin Sullivan, if you look back, you can clearly see Kevin Sullivan was the one who actually um, bladed him, gave him color, sliced him open, however you want to call it. Which is actually really, really um, a no-no in the professional wrestling business. So it turned into a no-no. Because you're better off having somebody else, actually. Uh, let me phrase that. You're better off having yourself blade yourself than have somebody else do it. Unless the person's a real... Yeah, well, Kevin Sullivan is a professional in every way, so... And Moss is carrying him out. And it's, wow, Moscow still got size on him. He looks like just, just the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno.
And once again, folks, you can tell the production value is definitely, in my opinion, it's definitely a lot better at Starcade 1983 than it was a year and a half later at WWF WrestleMania 1. Because remember Lord Alfred Hayes, bless his soul, but the man can't do for <laughs> He could not cut the back room into uh, the backstage commentary or the locker room comment, whatever you want. He was stuttering over his words and look at this, this production value is just so superb compared to WrestleMania 1. And I'm not shitting on WrestleMania 1, I'm actually watching this in comparison. Where are you from? Cool. And the first match, Tony. Oh wow, is Briscoe in there? Greg Valentine, Harley Race, Gerald Briscoe is there too, and Jerry Briscoe. Look at that, folks. Wow, I'm sure Vince McMahon is freaking not happy. I, this is probably I don't know if Vince McMahon's ever seen Starcade, but probably not because of this. Or if you did see it after the fact, hold on a second. Let's listen to Harley Race's uh, see if you listen to Harley Race's commentary. This is why I love Don Morocco as a promo, as a stickman, Don Morocco. And Harley Race is almost like just equal to each other. Because he's got that rough voice, but he's still just like Jake Roberts. But Jake Roberts did raise his voice every now and then. For Don Morocco and Harley Race, they cut almost the same exact promos. That's one hell of a suit, by the way. There's Abdullah the Butcher. I have no respect for him, by the way. And there's the father of Carlito. There's the uncle of uh, Primo and Epico. I believe Primo and Epico. Or not Primo and Epico. Yeah, Primo and Epico. Now, this is probably going to be a brutal match because Abdullah the Butcher is in it and he can't really have a good match. By the way, did anybody see, uh, I believe it was Abdullah the Butcher versus Zeus. Rest his soul, Tiny Zeus Lister. I don't know if it was in Puerto Rico or where it was. But for anybody who says Zeus has never had a good match. Oh, see, told you, it's coming out already. It's coming out already. But as I was saying, anyway, watch Abdullah the Butcher, I believe it's Abdullah the Butcher, versus Zeus, Tiny Zeus Debo, or Lister, excuse me, who played Debo on Friday. <coughs> and he was also on The Fifth Element, and a few other movies, but watch that match, and that's a brutal match. That was a match with, like, they just beat the piss out of each other the entire match. And I watched it just a few years ago, I ran into it, and I was watching it, I said, Holy, what happened in World Wrestling Federation? Like, honestly, they beat the piss out of it. And it was a great match for two guys who couldn't wrestle a lick. 
Well, he's got a. You see that? He's got a cuffed under underneath the. Nope, that's his deodorant. Never mind. But Abdullah the Bitzer is just so horrible as a wrestler, a human being himself. Like, he was just really. I had respect for him. Man, this guy, like, he solidified hardcore and this and that. But no, he was very, very dangerous and very, very disgusting with the things that he knowingly did in the ring. I mean, if you wanted to, you can compare him to New Jack. But New Jack never knowingly freaking cut himself and then cut somebody else open. You know what I'm saying? Because <clears throat> if I, in my opinion, if you ask him, New Jack likes his shit the hard way. You bust him open, he busts you open. Now you guys are even, have a beer afterwards. That's it. No, uh, Abdullah the Butcher would see right there. Now it's being used on him after it was just used on freaking Carlos Colon. And remember, folks, this is around the time that AIDS was becoming really, 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 really big when it was just coming out and, you know, people knew nothing about it. Compare AIDS to the modern-day freaking coronavirus. Only people weren't walking around wearing masks left and right. It was only condoms, but same difference, you know. People very, very... We had no idea what the hell was going on for a while, a long time. And I bet you, oh, wow, yeah, they don't do that. Oh, actually, they do. Oh, God, now he's freaking, oh, disgusting, disgusting. Yeah, it's Carlos Colon. I'm sorry, it's, that is, and then I guarantee you within a few minutes, He's gonna turn that around and actually use that same that same exact blade on Carlos Cologne. And it's stuff like this along obviously with the steroid accusations and all that. Well, they weren't accusations. They were. It was a scandal. Let's be honest. They were juicing. Not every wrestler, but a lot of them. <laughs> anyway. It's shit like that that make the athletic commission come down hard on professional wrestling. When you saw stuff like that, because remember, you had to have the athletic commission there. And Carlos Colon is making a comeback right now. But here's here's an interesting fact, folks. A lot of people like to say, because, you know, World Wrestling Federation or WWE makes up their own history sometimes. And once again, I'm not shitting on WWE. I'm a huge WWE fan. I just have to call it as it is. WWE, ooh, a figure four. That I did not expect to see. Who the hell was that? That was a sock. You get that in prison. Oh, wait, is that Rikishi? Hugo Savanovich! Ladies and gentlemen, the Spanish announcer from World Wrestling Entertainment from WWE. He's the man that falls down even when nobody touched him. Hugo Savanovich. Oh my goodness. Wow. That was, yeah, I knew Hugo Savanovic. I think, uh, 
I think at one time he was going to survive the Rick. He was either a wrestler or a manager or something like that. I think he was a wrestler at one time. There we go. You want to learn how to cut a promo? Listen to this. passion in his eyes it almost looks like he's it actually looks like he's crying while he's crying while he's saying it and this is not freaking scripted folks this is this is an actual promo that he cut off the top of his head because remember folks you're dealing with some professionals here this is not no shit that you have to write out your own promo and then you know no 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 no. well you don't have to write out your own promo they write out the promo for you nowadays and look at that look at that my goodness Oh, man, what a beautiful sight. Once again, production value. NWA Starcade definitely has it over uh, WrestleMania 1. Because remember, this was October, uh, November of ni- 1982. Let me rephrase that, verbal diarrhea. Remember, Starcade 83, Starcade 1, the one that we are watching right now, it's November of 83. A year and a half later, that's when WrestleMania 1 came around. Charlie Brown, a.k.a. the Boogie Woogie Man. Now let's go to the next match. I believe this is the third match now. Oh, here we go. It's Cowboy Bob Orton. Who is Bob Orton Jr. then, obviously? I will say Youngblood. Say Youngblood. Oh, Mark Youngblood, I was wrong. Excuse me, I was way off. Oh my goodness, I was saying, I tell a lie. I was mistaken. My goodness. Dirty Dick Slater. Look at Bob Orton, still wearing the same shit that he wore his entire, pretty much his entire, he ain't got the cast on, but he's still wearing the same exact shit. That is so funny. Two Indians in one corner. Oh my goodness. My how times have changed. So if you look at the... Hold on a second. Oh, they cut his mic off, huh? Of 
Somebody's, yeah. And Dusty Rhodes comes out. I forgot Dusty Rhodes was here. Who at the time was a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Now, if you look at the background, folks, now you see the lighting. The lighting's actually a little bit red. I don't know if that's, they did that on purpose they colored it red or it just happens it's coincidence but if you look at the lighting in the background that did not happen at all until modern day WWE which that's phenomenal because keep in mind this is NWA this was uh, when this was aired if I'm not mistaken this was actually aired strictly down south I don't believe this is actually aired up here in New, the New York area or the northern area even northern California or Washington Seattle Washington shout out to Seattle Washington by the way and this is why Dick Slater is great you see that Now to lock up. Oh, that's good. Now, folks, if I'm not mistaken, this is the third damn tag team match that we were watching. Which is crazy. I know um if you there's a lot of promotions, which you guys gotta realize in territories and promotions back in the day, the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and I dare say up into the 80s too. There were a lot of um, different styles of promotions. One promotion focused mainly on who was the world champion. One promotion's promotion uh, focused mainly on technical wrestling. WWE was obviously, they were big bodies at the time, big bodies and world champion. Uh, another promotion focused on strictly mainly tag team uh, wrestling. So, but I was surprised. Three tag team matches in a row. Wow, look at all that blood splattered around. Now you can tell, you can definitely tell, folks, the difference between modern day wrestling now and wrestling then. That then is now you there would definitely no way they would not have sanit- they would have not have had another match without that being sanitized and something covering it up. But that definitely, one way or another, would have been try, at least try, uh, attempted to be scrubbed out or sanitized. <clears throat> and Bob Orton, who was also a WrestleMania one, and oddly enough, he was actually in a tag team match. He wasn't wrestling in a tag team match, but he was still in a tag team match in the main event. Now, keep in mind, folks, the main event of WrestleMania one, it did include the world champion Hulk Hogan, but it was a tag team match, the main event. Where is Starcade in 1983? Starcade One was actually a cage match between Ric Flair and Harley Race for the world title, the NWA world title. What a beautiful title that is! What a beautiful title that is!
crack another beer, folks. And I'm not copying any other podcast, by the way. I drink a lot of beer. Yeah. And watch Bob Orton. You can definitely see. Look, look at that. Look at that. Did you not see Randy Orton right there? Did you see that snake-like? He just right, right underneath the ropes. Backwards, man. Look at that. You see Randy Orton all in him. They're so snake-like. Look at that. He's even got, except for, you know, the pot belly. <laughs> He's got the same, pretty much the same figure, too. Look at that. A alike. You see the resemblance in a young Bob Orton and a young, uh, and a modern day now at this age. I hate using the term modern day constantly, but nowadays, Randy Orton. You definitely see the resemblance, 100%, except for Bob Orton's pop belly. But you see the, the rest of, look at that. Bam! Now, keep in mind, folks, Randy Orton's a third-generation wrestler. Bob Orton is a second-generation wrestler in, in, in WWE. But apparently, allegedly, I don't know how true it is. Uh, you would have to ask Haku when you see him, or Meng, or whatever you want to call him. But allegedly, Haku is actually a fifth-generation wrestler. I haven't read the bloodlines, but I've actually heard that, that he's actually a fifth-generation wrestler. And if you're going to talk about um, first-generation superstars, or, because remember, just because you're a wrestler or a superstar doesn't mean you're a wrestler. Lillian Garcia was never a wrestler, and she's a WWE superstar. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, my God. Look at that. Do you see the seat? Those are some guardrails right there. Drop somebody chin first on that guardrail. See, or chest first on that guardrail even. You know how much that would hurt? And there's a junkyard headbutt. What's the headbutt, in my opinion? Have you ever headbutted somebody? It doesn't work. You end up jacking yourself up. I meant you were tough back in the day in the 80s and 90s professional wrestling. In my opinion, it's just the headbutt now. It's really, it's it's a pet peeve of mine. Because you headbutt somebody now, it's just, to me, it's like, that's going to hurt you as much as it hurts them. And it's going to rattle your brain. Literally, it's going to rattle your brain. And here comes the comeback. Now, remember, folks, remember what I was saying about the same wrestling tights, right? Except for the knee pads. 
And the boots, the wrestling tights themselves are the same. Red wrestling tights, but yet they're opponents. Look at that hairdo. Look at that face. Tell me that is not a face of Randy Orton right there. Speaking of young, young... Bob Orton looks... Wow. Slater should have definitely ran over and knocked his opponent right off the apron. McDaniel, excuse me, Wahoo McDaniel. Native American, but he's got an Irish last name. Vertical souffle. Yes, folks. A suplex was actually called, you know, tomato, tomato, but back in the day, a suplex was actually called a souffle back in the day. Just like a hurricane runner and a hurricane runner. Same difference. It's just tomato, tomato. Reversing the pile driver. Yeah, the, the ring is definitely smaller. I think a typical, what, professional wrestling ring is 16 by 16, if I'm not mistaken. This looks like a 12 by 12. And now Wahoo gets in, and now you see the fans, right? Some of them, some of them are standing and yelling because Wahoo is in. You're barely going to see that in um, 1980s professional wrestling, like I said, unless it's a major, major star or it's the world title match. You're barely, barely going to see people actually standing. They will sit in their seats and their blazers and their winter jackets and scream and yell and clap and boo and throw shit from their seats. That was swift. Nah, he's got to... That's a mistake. See, one, he's got him too close to the rope. Two, he's got to drag him over to his corner. Why doesn't anybody do that anymore? I used to love that because in, in real life, if you did that to somebody, you would jack their head up. I don't know why I've never I I don't believe I've seen that done anymore. And it needs to come back and get rid of the headbutt. And back body drop. Bam. Oh the belly to back. So what's the difference between the belly to back one, two, and a kick out? What's the difference between the belly to back suplex and a backdrop? Well, belly to back. Uh, yeah, never mind. I just answered my own question. And folks, once again, if you're listening, thank you guys for still listening and tuning in. This is the third match, and part two will continue as soon as this match is over, so please tune into that one.
And we have uh, a couple of other professional wrestling. If you guys are into professional wrestling and you haven't even heard this station yet, there is a number, a number of professional wrestling podcasts that we have. Please check those out as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we're still going. Like I said, right after this match, please tune in to part three. Uh, Part two, excuse me. And once again, I'm still confused as to why they have three straight tag team matches. But the production value, once again, you go back and watch it, and it's, wow, it is so superb. So superb. And folks, um, please, if you're listening, please pause. Please pause your uh, peacocks real quick for two seconds. Okay, now I'm pausing. Sorry. Don't blame me. Blame Peacock. Peacock app is horrible. And it's lagging again. Well, folks, I guess that calls for a bathroom break. I apologize. Once again, don't blame me. Blame Peacock. This is how horrible. Pause this real quick and we'll get back in two seconds. And right now, um, Mark Youngblood just actually made the tag into the ring. And Slater's in the corner with McDaniels. So we're going to pause it at right there, folks. And we're going to go take a short bathroom break. And please tune in to part two. I apologize once again. Don't blame me. Blame Peacock. Because they... The app is just, I feel like I'm in 2002 because it is slow and it lags. So, once again, we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Part two is coming right up.